they are born with this curiosity. Nurturing it can really bring something amazing to light and can highlight how special, how unique we are. How we can take care of it is simply not standing in its way. Getting to know ourselves, being curious about ourselves, our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions will help us to uncover a very hidden treasure we all have. So diving for the first can also be diving deeper within so we can find that pearl that we all have. It starts with us. If I can be curious about myself and if I am ready to dive for that pearl within myself, I will know how to do it for others. Welcome to the Diving for Pearls podcast. I'm your host, Miss Gina P. Nelson. On this show, we will feature women in the UAE and across the globe who are breaking ground in their industry while at the same time transforming the cultural landscape. The women whom we will feature here on this podcast are in many ways analogous to pearl divers, women who have taken calculated risks to uncover and harvest pearls of wisdom, insights that have led them to illuminate their pathway and the pathway of others. These women are thought leaders, innovators, visionaries, women who embody the spirit of the founding father of the UAE, His Highness Sheikh Zayed bin Sultan Al-Nayan. We invite you to listen in, take the plunge, reflect on the poignant stories of courage and resilience while delving deeper into your own journey of self-discovery and exploration. Pearls lie not on the seashore. If thou desires one, thou must dive for it. Anonymous. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Diving for Pearls podcast. Today, we have the honor and privilege of welcoming to the show, Miss Beatrix Henkel. She is an early distinguished guest on the podcast who has been an educator of 17 years, five of which has been spent in the UAE. She is a lifelong learner, a visionary leader who is passionate about self-development, inspiring and empowering others to be the best version of themselves. In addition to being a champion of women empowerment, she is a leadership and communication coach who is on a global mission to transform education, one educator at a time. And I actually had the honor and privilege of working with her in 2020 as a coachee. So welcome to the show, Miss Beatrix Henkel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thanks for the invite. You're welcome. So since this is only our second taping of 2021, and we are still in January, I wanted to ask you, Beatrix, do you have any well wishes for our listeners today? Yes, I would like to wish everyone joy, inspiration, lots of positive energy for this year. Because we have been through a hard year, we learned a lot, we have grown a lot. And this can be a year of inspiration, inspiring each other, inspiring ourselves and learning from each other. I also want to ditto and echo your sentiments year of joy and inspiration. And of course, we could inspire each other. 
So Beatrix, since you have done a lot of work on leadership, I actually want to start there. First, start talking about your journey. So you've mentioned that you've only been here five years in the UAE, first living in Hatta, which is a remote area of the UAE, and then moving to one of the other Emirates, Fijera, before coming to Abu Dhabi and now in Dubai. So if you could share with our listeners today your journey from Oman, actually from Ukraine, Oman, and then here in the UAE. What has that been like? What have been some of your highlights? And if you could also describe the village you lived in in Hatta. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to start with a confession, which uh, many people don't know about me, is that I was born in Ukraine in an um, um, ethnic minority uh, context where Hungarian population is in minority. And this is where I've grown up and spent like 28 years of my life in uh, this region. So when people ask me about my homeland, then I usually refer to the region and not the country, the Subcarpathian region, which is the borderland between Ukraine and Hungary. So this might explain how I spent decades over there going to school and then uh, starting my college. After my bachelor's degree, I started teaching high school English and history. And after I graduated, the college invited me to join their team. And I was teaching there for a couple of years and then joined another university. In the meantime, I studied a little bit in the U.S., then started my PhD program and finished it and got my degree from a great Hungarian university, the Ötvös-Lorán University in Budapest. And it was uh, 2014 when I moved to the Middle East, to the Sultanate of Oman, which was a very gratifying and humbling experience to get to know a very different mentality and a mindset where, which I still find fascinating. And that journey continued with the United Arab Emirates starting here in 2016, and still amazed by how much I can learn from the people living in this country. If uh, you ask me about the highlights, uh, probably I would say that it was a journey, a transition from being a classroom teacher and then moving out and getting out of my comfort zone, trying something new in a very different context. And that created a space to, to grow immensely. That resulted in different roles in different countries, different institutions. So when I was creating my website, then I added up to almost 17 rows and 12 countries and <laughs> seven languages. So that's quite fascinating now, retrospect how the uh, last seven, eight years, and that can be a co coincidence and fall into the same time when I moved to Oman, that uh, a transition started, something different started to emerge. And now when I look back, I can clearly see that it was a past that was evolving with every single step and is leading me in a very nice direction where I am more and more in line with myself, with my core values, I'm more clear about the vision. And this way I can really provide more for others and I can give and support others more. 
That's quite a journey. So thank you for sharing your journey. And one thing that always stands out with you, Beatrix, because I've admired this about you, and you seem to have this curiosity about learning more. And how would you say individuals could spark that curiosity to be open-minded and to continually be on this pathway to improvement? It's really great, uh, Gina. It's something I, I noticed in you as well, that you're very open to learning. You have all these notebooks, taking all these notes and always open to learn from others, no matter who they are. In my opinion, this is really the, the essence, the key components of future learning experiences. This is where I want to see uh, schools, classrooms heading, learning and development units, organizations, companies heading that they are nurturing this potential, which is innate. We are born with it. We are born with this curiosity. So nurturing it can really bring something amazing to light and can highlight how special, how unique we are, how we can take care of it is simply not standing in its way. When we talk about kids, being curious about the kids instead of giving them instructions and limiting their choices is the best way to awaken and keep that curiosity alive in them and in ourselves as well. Getting to know ourselves, being curious about ourselves, our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions, will help us to uncover a very hidden treasure we all have. So diving for the first can also be diving deeper within so we can find that pearl that we all have. And it starts with us. So if I can be curious about myself and if I am ready to dive for that pearl within myself, I will know how to do it for others. I know how to help others to do it. So Beatrix, I do have a question. I agree with you, getting to know ourselves as one of the steps in terms of keeping curious. So how do you personally keep that flame of curiosity burning? Can you give us some examples of how you do that in practice, please? Yes, both educators and coaches. And when I say coaches, I don't mean sports coaches, but people who are interested in empowering, enabling individuals to become their best, the best version of themselves. They have several tools that we can take and use. One of them is reflection. Reflect on what we are doing, who are we being, where we are heading, what is important to us, what are the core values, core strengths we are having, what are the limiting beliefs we have. So definitely reflection can take different shapes and forms and different types of activities can be used when we talk about self-reflection. No matter what we use, the important thing is we get started. Another tool I would bring in here is questioning. Asking questions. Asking questions from the place of curiosity and not asking questions from judgment or from criticizing someone or somebody, even if that somebody is myself. Avoiding judgment will help to bring us more curiosity in. Less judgment, more curiosity. And translate it into questions. And the third one I would say 
is something that I referred to in my previous response is not to stand in its way. Allow it to happen, to create space for it in our life, to have it as a daily habit. A daily habit of working on myself, of allowing myself to grow, allowing myself to become a better person, creating space for admiring others, acknowledging others, nurturing the core good values we all have, being more empathetic, being more compassionate, being loving and understanding, and creating space for it every day can also be a wonderful daily habit. It can really do wonders within weeks, within months, within years. It's, it, it is kind of a, it, it has that kind of a ripple effect that it happens and then it's going to grow and grow and grow within us. And by us transforming, we are going to have a huge impact on all those around us. And that's amazing. Beatrix, thank you. I actually want to go to some of your points that you mentioned. So the first one, because I know this is a question you always ask me a lot when you were coaching me about who are you being? So going back to that reflection piece. And in fact, I'm sure you're familiar with his work, James Clear, who is the author of Atomic Habits. He talks about in terms of setting goals, one of the things we should always think about is who do we want to be? And more about the being as opposed to the doing. So our, our goals should be about who we want to be. And you mentioned some of the themes in terms of that third part, being more empathetic, creating a space for those conversations to take place. So would you say like in terms of setting your goals for 2021 and your intentions, I should say, for 2021, what are some of those reflection practices that you currently have built into your life? in terms of looking at who you're becoming? Thank you for asking this, because this question, answering this question is a great opportunity to see that 2020 was a real blessing, a real blessing, blessing in disguise. We didn't know, but it's real blessing. We learned to be with each other, just to be. And we didn't have a lot to do. We couldn't do a lot. So we had more opportunities to to be present with our body, to be present with, with our family, with the people around us, to appreciate having them in our lives. Some of the habits I developed in, in, in 2020 was I made yoga my daily practice, which is huge for me. I wasn't consistent before. I took a few lessons to learn how I can create a whole session, a whole one-hour uh, yoga session for myself to better connect with my body, to better connect with my being, with my presence. I'm succeeding and failing at the same time. Sometimes I can be more present, sometimes I can be less present. But now my whole body and my whole being needs it, kind of wants it. So it is more natural. And I do agree, and I love the atomic habits, because this is just a small portion of the thing that a small habit, a small good habit can bring us, and a small dose of the benefits. And the other habits I developed and something I built into my life is meditation. And I participated in a healing course that was organized in Dubai, small group, 
social distancing. It really helped me to deepen my prayers, to be more vigilant and see how my body is responding when I say something, how much um, in- integrity I have between uh, my thoughts and words and actions and feelings and body responses. Are they coordinated? Are they together as a living organism? Or they are a little bit not synchronized. So it helps me to synchronize these more. A third one I would I would uh, bring in here is writing. So I started writing for uh, just out of reflection as I was doing my studies as a coach, also learning a lot during the healing course. So there were loads of things to reflect on. And also it wasn't an easy year, so it, it brought up immense challenges and Huge decisions were made. I made very, very big decisions last year. And it helped me to go through the process and keep a distance. Because when I wrote it down, then there was a distance between me and what happens and how I see what happened. And sometimes all we need is just keep a little bit of distance between us and our thoughts, between us and our feelings, us and our actions. That little distance can give us very different perspective. We can base in those new perspectives, like different types of showers. So some of them can be really a cold shower, like a huge shock to the system. And some of them can be really a pleasant shower, maybe with an essential oil that we are enjoying the learning experience. And some of them might be too hot that, oh, we cannot take it anymore. It's just burning. It's too much. Experimenting with different situations, different types of thinking and feeling and being and our being can deepen only if we focus on deepening our being because even now and even last year we could fill up all our time with all different types of doings we could keep ourselves busy with social media with tv programs with just browsing mindlessly on the internet We could do all of it. We could use the time differently. And if uh, there are people who didn't realize it yet, maybe it's time to realize that it's their choice. It's a choice they can make, and it's a choice every day. So even if that's what I did a couple of years ago, it doesn't mean that's what I have to do now. I can choose what I want to fill up my days with. Do I want to focus on building more meaningful relationships, looking after myself, putting self-care in the focus or do I just mindlessly want to survive today to go into tomorrow and then survive tomorrow to get into another day or do I really want to be present and accept whatever life brings and be grateful for that it's a choice so Beatrix there's a lot of good points there but I do have a question because you have like I said this openness to things that are coming through your life curiosity So how do you then balance that with setting your intentions for the day? So being open to the day, what the day offers you? That's an amazing question, Gina. (laughs) Really good question. So curiosity helps. Being curious helps to see what's coming up for the day. Uh, Setting intention and leaving yourself, and that's what I do in the morning, leaving myself some time to... To be present and ask the creator's guidance into showing me 
what I need today. What is it I want, I want to have in my life? And being very open to the response that comes up. Creating this very rich and at the same time very short experience keeps the day in a bubble where there is protection and in a bubble where it's possible and it's happening already. So Beatrix, I have a question because a lot of individuals will say, struggle, will say that they struggle with forming new healthy habits. What, what is one step that they take tomorrow if they are trying to practice this being that you've mentioned? Lovely. One step is a small step. It doesn't have to be a big step. Let it be small, atomic habits, right? When taking this small step, it is important to see and have a clear vision. Who do I want to be? Knowing that, for example, I want to have a joyful life. So who am I when I'm joyful? How do I know I'm joyful? And what is the smallest thing I can do today to feel joyful? So when I answer this, I actually have ideas what I want to do today. I do want to have a good conversation where I'm paying attention to the other and the other is paying attention to what I'm saying. So probably I'm going to call my dad today. I'm going to coach someone later on today. I love it because it brings me a very deep inner satisfaction to see others growing. So there you go. Two things I have today that's going to bring me joy. And I think anybody can do it. It's about the difficult part is calming our mind and focusing our thoughts, training our thoughts to, to behave and to direct our thoughts to where we want to direct them. That's the difficult part. And all it takes is continuous practice. Observing. If it's happening, what helps me to be present, to meditate, to sit in one place for some time? What helps me when um, I am praying? What helps me when I just want to see what's happening in my body? Or what is stepping in my way? If I'm open and if I train my thoughts to maybe be on the side and wait for your turn because now I have other things to focus on, I can calm my mind. And a small a very small step can make a huge difference. And there is, no, uh, there is no written rules how it should evolve. So I would recommend everyone just to go with the flow. Maybe it's not going to happen every day, and that's fine. Or maybe it's uh, going to happen every day. Amazing. What is important is to have the intention to become better. Agreed. <laughs> and for me personally, thank you, Beatrix, for sharing that. For me, it's just improving by 1%. I used to say 10%, but I think 1% is small enough. It's not, it doesn't seem like it's a huge percentage and not notable, but it's about building these tiny improvements over time and obviously taking action towards it as well every day. And you'll be surprised by the end of the year, if you say, I'm going to get 1% better, at the end of the year, you'll be 37 times better than the beginning of the year. So it is about these little tiny micro habits, I would like to say. And actually putting systems in place. I mean, because you seem as if you've done a good job with that. You mentioned the yoga, the meditation, the writing. So those are some practices you've built around your day 
to help you with the being. So thank you for sharing that. And I don't want to switch gears per se, Beatrix, but I do want to talk about leadership because you've spent some time obviously working with educators here in the UAE. I know personally and professionally you have. You're trying to help individuals, as you've mentioned, become the best version of themselves. And you've spoken a lot about staying true to core values. And first, I want you to share with our listeners, what are your practices around your core values? If you could share some of your core values and what are some of your practices around core values? And then we'll talk a little bit of how individuals can actually practice those core values. Okay, sure. One of the things that made me think really deeply about leadership was the coercive leadership model. And it said that leadership is standing and leading a a group of people and being in the front is just one type of leadership. For me, that was a huge eye-opener. They mentioned a couple other dimensions as leading beside or leading behind as different types of leadership. And all they do with their model is that they are pointing in, that they are saying, and it's a very successful coaching program in the U.S. and all over the world, probably number one for the the value it brings to the coaching community globally. And where they are pointing is inside finding the the leader within. So if anybody wants to check out their model, and maybe we can give a a reference, it is at the core. Finding the leader within ourselves is at the core of our existence. Being able to lead our own lives is at the forefront. I would say should be at the forefront, but I leave it everybody to decide. And the reason for that is that things and situations, people, contexts uh, might change around us, but we are going to be our lifelong partners. We are going to live with ourselves for the rest of our life. So it is important to have a good relationship with ourselves. And this model coaching journey helped me see that clearly what my core values are. I didn't name them previously. You know, I was, I, I was living, you know, probably I, I lived uh, in line with many of those values, but you will be surprised how transformational the power is when you realize that actually these are the values I'm having and when you start owning them, well, that's a different layer of being. So... It started me out on a mission to help others to realize and name and own their own values as well. If I talk about some of the values, but my core values, and this is not an extensive list, so I will name a few. And if anybody wants to know more of those values, please get in touch. So I would say integrity is very important to me. In myself, to, to show integrity and in others as well. My ideals and my heroes are everyday heroes. The people I admire and I look up to, they are people I know. And I can see them making decisions. I can see how much integrity they have. I don't relate a lot to people, the big names out there, because they are very distant to me. I, you know, I like what they are saying. I like how they are thinking. And, you know, I like reading books from them and you know, uh, following uh, and listening to their talks. But the real heroes for me, they are everyday heroes. People in my life I know. 
So integrity is definitely uh, one of my core values. Another core value for me is, is love to all extent, unconditional love for everybody I have in my life. People I like, people I don't like, all of them. I just want to bring unconditional love to every single relationship I have. And if possible, to all those I had previously as well. So love in a very genuine sense. The love that we learned from, from God, for me, that's uh, very, very important. That's at the core. Forgiveness, being forgiving. And, you know, these are big, big words. So they have many, many values attached to them. Forgiveness is where it starts. To me, uh, the two are linked. To have, to show forgiveness is cultivating that unconditional love we all have. So being forgiving, accepting is, is, is very important. It's very important to me. And it's a learning journey. It, it's really a day-to-day learning experience. And it can also be one of, those, one of those habits, one of those daily experiences that we pay attention to. Thank you, Beatrix, for sharing that. I do want to ask you some more questions around those three core values. So you said integrity, love, forgiveness are the three, or three of values that are important. I know there are a lot of individuals who have practice around their core values and exercising it every day. So can you give us some examples of how you actually practice integrity? Give us a, one example. Integrity every day, love every day, forgiveness every day. Okay. So let's do, let's do them in this order. So integrity every day. I'm working with a couple of people now and we started something amazing together to raise awareness of coaching and education. A global movement That's what we are creating. And we are all super excited about that. It has been less than a year and now we have a structure and organizational background behind it. We are expecting to launch something super big in the coming months. What I learned on this journey that started last March very quickly evolved into something, yeah, eye-opening, heartwarming, is that... People trust you if they know you. They know you if you have integrity, if you are authentic. And that comes from from your being. It doesn't come from the words you are saying. Your actions will speak louder than your words. It comes from who you are when you are with them. And who you are when you are with others, but they can see how you are treating others, how you are having conversations with others. So to me, being in this community shows that the people I'm working with, they can see this uh, authenticity and integrity in each other and in themselves as well. Very re- they are very reliable, very responsible and very committed. So when I say it's not a daily practice, but now I'm working uh, a lot uh, together with uh, these amazing uh, souls on this project, we might even call it a daily practice, is to have conversations where they feel appreciated, where they feel that they are seen and they are heard. Dedicating to them the the time we have together fully. 
and without distractions, following up on what they are asking, acknowledging them for what they are doing great. Some of the things we have in, in these relationships. Okay, number two, uh, love. So that's a multi-dimensional one. To practice love, it is interestingly linked to the previous one in a sense that you want to be fully present when you are listening to the other person, when you are talking to the other person. So you don't want to create a response in your head. Instead, you want to try to understand them. And this is where it goes back to curiosity. You're curious about them. You want to know them better. And this is just one facet of love. Another one that I do, and you can do as well if you want, is accept them. Accept them for who they are and what they are ready to do without expectation, without judgment, uh, without asking for more. Accepting them. This is what they can do and this is how they are and where they are in their lives. That to me is big. It's, sometimes it's really challenging to, to practice this with people that are triggering something in me. So if this happens... My advice to you, if you want to take it, it does work for me, that instead of reacting, spontaneously respond and just saying something, taking time to respond and creating a response, choosing how you want to respond. Do you want to respond with tranquility, with peace in your voice? Do you want to bring in that unconditional love and forgiveness you have? into your voice, into your body language, or you want to bring in something else. So taking time to respond and creating that pause when you can a little bit align yourself with who you are in this moment, notice that trigger, acknowledge it, but then you can choose how you want to respond. So that's the second one, probably a little bit also of the, of the third one. It is. It is about relationships all the time, even if we don't name it this way. And something we can do every day is cultivate those relationships. When I say those relationships, I refer to three. One of them is the relationship with yourself, you accepting yourself, you starting to love yourself. And you will reach a stage when you will actually start falling in love with yourself, believe it or not. It can happen. And that's amazing. Amazing, wonderful experience. Second, relationship with others. How you are present in other people's lives and how you are creating those relationships. What kind of relationships do you attract to your life? Might be also an important question you can ask yourself. And the third one, which maybe should have been the first, is the relationship with the, the, the bigger good. For me, that's God. For you, it might be the creator. It might be the universe. It might be um, something else. But something that is greater and bigger than us people. So it is important to look after and take care of these relationships in our lives. And that's something we can, we can do something about daily. And a reminder, when I say do, I don't always mean action. Well, actually, most of the time, I don't mean action. What I mean when I say do is how you are present. 
how you are, what are you saying without words, without words, yeah, and without doing something. So it's it's more about your presence, the energy you bring, um, your body language, the tone of your voice. And I'm sure that if you are listening to this podcast, then you are definitely on the right way to become a better person. You can learn from every person. So take life as a learning journey and take the people you meet every day in your life as, you know, the modules in that imaginary course book. And they are teaching you something. Take in the learning experience because it's going to enrich you. Thank you, Beatrix. There's so much in there. As I was listening to you, one of the key things I thought of is in order to show up for others, you obviously have to work on yourself. And what you mentioned, just the last points about having a relationship with yourself and falling in love with yourself, and then you're able to relate to others. So definitely some good tips in there. I also want to go back to this point where you talk about finding the leader within. Because some individuals will say, I'm not a leader. I don't want to lead. But you actually speak about it being at the core of our our existence. And we know there's been a lot of research around individuals wanting to have control and wanting to feel as if they can steer their lives, that whole idea of autonomy. So I want to go back to that point where you talk about finding the leader within. So what if we have someone who says, I'm not a leader. I don't want to be a leader. So how can we help them find the leader within? You know, we don't have to find help them to find it. If they say, if there are people and uh, uh, who who are saying that I'm not a leader and I don't want to lead, that's also a choice. But what is the price you are paying? And if you are saying you don't want to lead, what is the limiting belief you have around decisions that is holding you back? There are some questions to ask. You don't want to ask these questions. Fine, you can live your life. Um, really well even after that but don't expect tremendous changes because you resist you know if uh, it's really about the mindset you have so if you're saying I don't want to lead there is something that is holding you back from leading there are some concepts some assumptions you associate with leaders that prevent you from stepping on a stage or just making those decisions or Taking the responsibility for the decisions you made. There is something. I don't know what that is, but if you don't start asking, then I would say you are losing out. But to me, the losing out means that you might be in the same situation where you are right now, even 10 years from now or 20 years from now and 30 years from now. Now, are you ready to live with that? If you are, that's it. No question. Thank you, Beatrix. (laughs) But it also reminds me of that quote that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Going back to what you mentioned about, you know, just searching and asking yourself those questions in terms of maybe, I don't want to say limited beliefs, but looking at what may be holding you back. Those are some good definitely some good advice. And I want to go back to this notion of asking questions because both you and I took a class through Coursera. I believe the title was Leading Change Through Appreciative Inquiry. And one of the things I've learned from working with you and also through this course is about the types of questions we ask of ourselves or ask of others. And the gentleman, the professor who had take, who actually was leading and facilitating the conversations talks about the art of the fateful question. 
the types of questions we ask usually is going to steer the direction in terms of the answers we get. So I want to go to that whole notion of asking questions because he talks about there's no such thing as a neutral question. So the better we get at asking specific types of questions, the better we can actually arrive at something that's going to actually affect positive change. So can you actually share with us your ideas in terms of leadership qualities, looking at the art of asking questions, and how will that help us improvement for ourselves and getting a better understanding of whatever situation we're in? When you're asking question, when you're asking a question, you, you are becoming vulnerable. And that's not easy. Especially if you are in a leadership role and you're asking question, you might feel naked that, oh, they think I don't know. Oh, what's going to happen next? There is a lot at stake at first when you start asking questions. And uh, I believe this is... Um, the reason uh, when many of the leaders refrain from asking questions and they trust instructions and statements more because it gives them more certainty. And notice I said them because, you know, you are and the stage in your life where you are right now is reflected in your relationships. So in order to know a manager, in order to know a leader, you just have to look at the team members and you will know a lot about what kind of a manager, what kind of a leader it is. On the other hand, if you start asking questions and if you learn via questions and if you develop the art of questioning in your team, it's a blessing. It's a real, real blessing. Yes, if you're asking yes or no questions or questions that kind of have already been answered in your head, then no doubt, you know, they are not leading you anywhere. They are just reassuring and confirming what you want to hear. But if you're asking questions out of curiosity, you're asking lots of open-ended questions and maybe less why questions because we tend to justify when we are asked why, then we tend to bring up reasons. And that's not always the most resonant response we can give. It might come from more from the mind, more from the rational mind that we want to give reasons because they ask me why. You can replace it. What are the reasons? What are some of the reasons for? And you can also ask questions, how differently? How could you do it differently? What are some other ways of looking at it? What is helping you? What is holding you back? What do you want to know more of? What do you want to know less of? And similar questions. But you notice that they, they don't have a sharp edge they are very much coming from a place of curiosity. When you have a culture of questioning, then innovation is granted. Innovation, improvement, and development, they all appear, they all show up because of the great questions we are asking. You are looking into any kind of uh, field, you know, that, that they want to innovate, they start with great questions. When you look into uh, recently, I think, very popular design thinking framework, then also you see that questions are at the core, the kind of questions you ask. The questions that you can ask uh, from empathy as well, or it can come from a place of understanding and compassion, 
just like any other mindset related matter, it might take time. So if you are in a leadership role, and uh, many of us are, not only those having the titles and positions, then you might want to start even today to ask questions and to generate very interesting and very challenging conversations because that's the gift that great questions can bring you. Yes, indeed. And you've taught me a lot, actually, personally, about asking questions. Just shift. It helps, actually, last year for me to shift the mindset moving it from the person thinking that there was something wrong with an individual, because that's our sometimes our natural inclination, but to really examining the situation with an open heart and open mind. So I agree with you, the types of questions we ask, and also looking at the team members to see the type of leader that individual is. So I do want to ask you a question. How would you describe your leadership style? Because I know one of the things you've always asked me at the beginning of any conversation, would be, Gina, what are you curious about? So I want to ask you, what are you curious about? I'm curious about uh, myself and others. And the way I would describe my leadership style would be linked to curiosity. I like learning, you know, and knowing what other people think about things and generating uh, common denominator somehow finding that underlying theme it's really like a treasure hunt sometimes and this is what's happening in conversations right now specifically to in this project that i refer to called race now this is a big team from the beginning i really tried to enable people to take on and lead on something For me, that is just as much as important as my own growth, you know, to see other people growing as well, to inspire other people also to step out of their comfort zone and aspire for something much greater and bigger and to go after their dreams, find their purpose. It is just as important for myself as it is important for me to help others to find zero and their direction. So I, I would say that sometimes I can be very straightforward. That's something takes some time to get used to. It might be culture related as well, but sometimes it's not easy to take on board me being very direct and straightforward. So this is something I'm working on as well to bring in a little bit more softness when it has to be something direct, also bring in some empathy, softness and love into into that conversation and have difficult conversations. So now I'm still learning, but I have learned through last year's experiences to have difficult conversations, to create time for it and to, to be to stand up for the challenge. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, it's going to be challenging, but I'm going to have it. And the final uh, thing that in that leadership model I refer to, I like being the leader behind. I don't really see myself as a leader in front. I see somebody who is behind the others and helping them shine and helping them grow beyond limits 
and seeing them, seeing them growing, seeing them feeling inspired and wanting to have more, to be more, that's my gift. That's my reward. Thank you for sharing that. For sure, helping others grow and seeing them grow definitely could be extremely rewarding. You said one of the things that you also have helped individuals with is helping them find their purpose. How do you connect individuals with finding their purpose? So first, I want to ask you first, what do you think your purpose is? And then how do you help individuals connect with their purpose? How I see my purpose now is to be an authentic example that inspires others to accept we are perfectly imperfect and to believe that it is possible. So whatever they're trying to have in their lives and whatever they are trying to do in their lives, just believe in it that it is possible and to be there as an example that is within reach, not from social media or celebrity, but somebody who is real and authentic and is within reach. So this is how... I would define my purpose now. How I'm helping others find their purpose, it's an ongoing thing. I don't believe that there is an overnight, we just wake up and we say that now I have a purpose. Well, maybe in some cases it might happen. For me, definitely it took years to be more clear on what I want and how I want to be present in my own life. So that was my experience. How I'm helping is um, being there, holding the space for a conversation for the curious, those who want to know their purpose and those who want to connect with it. And I would say reconnect because very often it's already there. But among all the different activities and distractions, we, we don't see it. It's like a fog, like we don't see it clearly. So very often when we have conversations where empathy is dominating, then this fog translates into sunshine. And then people go like, yeah, actually I've always thought that this is something very important to me. And now that I know, yes, I do want to pay more attention to it. Yes, I do want to integrate more of it into my life. And then it translates into perseverance and being committed and dedicated to their own goals. And this is a day-by-day journey. And it's not a day-by-day hard work. That's also a limiting belief. It's a day-by-day journey that we can enjoy and we can pass through every day with ease and grace and love and compassion. It is a real gift I think to be there for others and help them to reconnect with their own purposes and with their own visions. And it's also a a blessing and a humbling experience for me to be more and more clear on what my vision is and how I see myself in the future. What you just said, Beatrix, reminded me of something I just heard on one of the podcasts that I listened to. Stephen Kotler, you may have heard of him, He's just wrote a book recently. He's an American author and journalist and entrepreneur who wrote a book, I haven't read it yet, called The Art of Impossible. And it's around peak performance and how individuals could become the best version of themselves. And he said something that relates to what you just said about this being an ongoing journey. And it really isn't hard work. And he actually said today that if you made it to adulthood, 
you've actually done the hard work. That's what he shared today. And it's true. So we can enjoy, as you mentioned, we can enjoy the process and approach it, as you've mentioned, with grace and ease and love. So it just reminded me of what he said today. He made it to adulthood. I think, you know, actually, if I, I don't know, I might be interrupting here. I don't believe that that hard work, even up to adulthood, it's what we are made to believe. We are not born like this. But in our upbringing, there are certain beliefs that are generational. My parents, my great-grandparents, they saw that life is hard and you have to work hard. So even if I don't believe in it, it's in my genes and I'm carrying it involuntarily. But when I decide and when I embark on this journey of self-discovery, I'm realizing it. And when I realize it and I am aware of it, with awareness comes responsibility and then I can choose. Do I want to carry on thinking and believing that life is a hard work? Or do I want to stop believing that and instead believing that life is joyful and, and, and happy and very much a gratifying experience every day? I agree. It goes back to your point now that you've mentioned that to mindset. And I do want to talk because you've done quite a bit in terms of language motivation. In fact, your PhD was around language learning. And a lot of the research shows that if you could get your biology to work for you, I'm not going to say everything is going to be easy, but it will help you in terms of being the best version of yourself, as you've mentioned, and also with, I would say, peak performance. So if you could share your journey with your PhD, because I think it was after working for the last 17 years in six countries or 12 countries, I think you mentioned, and assuming different roles, it wasn't until you completed your PhD on language motivation, did you actually gain some clarity on who you wanted to become. So if you could share your thoughts around language learning, because I am, I do want to learn another language, Italian and Portuguese. So I am curious to learn how you've been actually utilizing what you learned while you're in school, because I know you've also learned Arabic as well since being here. So if you could share some of your thoughts on how we could get our biology to work for us and more specifically our brains. Yes, it was the PhD, but no, it wasn't the PhD at the same time, because it was looking back through through the coaching journey you really start reflecting a lot these reflections helped me realize that yes that's where it started it was not first the first entrance exam i feel the first one it was comparing pen and paper tests to computer assisted learning and testing and they didn't want anyone to research this topic it was just so boring and i tried the second time to enter a PhD program, different university. And this time the topic was something I was genuinely interested in, in, in motivation, you know, self-systems, like what makes people learn uh, languages and is there a difference in the motivational setup if they learn different languages? One of the big names in the industry is a Hungarian researcher. And at that time, his uh, motivational model was really the, the trendy one among uh, motivation researchers. So I used it. And the key point of uh, his motivational self-system theory is that it is about the idea of self. And in my findings, I found the same, that no matter what language was, and I compared English and Ukrainian, Hungarian kids living in Ukraine, learning English and Ukrainian. And one is a state language, which is compulsory, and one is an international language. So 
what came out crystal clear as a significant domain is their ideal self. If they can picture themselves being that successful user of the language, they can learn it. They have a motivation to keep going. The clearer they are on how the knowledge of this language is going to serve them, how is it going to add value to their lives. Now, comes four years after the PhD, I was really thinking a lot, so what's next? I'm teaching at a university, I have my PhD degree, I don't really feel much inclination to go and teach at a university or a college four times, so what's next for me? And um, that was four years. When I started in the Middle East, and I was um, one year after the other, when I embarked on the coaching journey in, in Dubai, I think it was uh, 2018, they started talking about the same. And previously, there was another coaching program that I was involved in and I, I studied. It, it's called Neuro Language Coaching. And interestingly, Neuro Language Coaching, learning language in a very brain friendly way, and it's a very personalized approach to language learning, I think very transformational. And it helped me a lot with my Arabic learning. I had a neuro language coach and not a teacher, and it made a world of a difference because it was personalized to me. It was about, so who are you being, Beatrix, when you are going to speak Arabic? How is it going to help you? How do you see yourself as somebody who successfully, you know, has these conversations in Arabic with colleagues and with people you know? When I got clear on who, who am I going to be when I know this language, I got a huge and immense dose of motivation. So I was studying 15 minutes every day for months. And when I started a collective coaching program, again, what they were building around is the vision, your vision of yourself. So who do you want to be and not what do you want to do? So that's when I realized that it's not only for language learning, it's generally for our motivation and for us to be motivated we need to see, we want to see something, uh, something ahead of us where we see the values that brought by the knowledge or the, those skills or that experience and how is it going to add to our life. And that's when we start taking the steps to get closer to that self. So that's really what inspired me to work with others and bring it into education. And now this is what we are working on. Also, I feel this should be part of internal training and development programs in every single organization. It is important for us to know how am I going to grow in this role? When people talk about the new generations, for them it's even more important. If they don't see themselves growing, they will just leave and they will do something else. So it is even more important now than before, but also before we didn't talk about it as much as we do now. So it is a good era to live in that now we can bring up and talk about self-awareness, self-development, self-growth more openly, more often, and receive more encouragement and support by talking about it and having conversations around it. So we have all the resources we need to go there. But before starting, we need to know where we are going. 
So Beatrix, I, I do have a question around what you said. So obviously you're saying that if we picture ourselves being a user of that language, so it goes back to that idea of who am I going to be if I'm speaking Italian? So I have that vision of myself. Does it really matter if I use a program like Rosetta Stone or Babel, one of the other software language programs? Does that even matter? It doesn't. It is about you. And the learning is personalized to you. So if you know who is Gina Nelson going to be speaking uh, Italian and Portuguese, and if you can imagine scenarios, describe write about scenarios when you are using the language and what you are using the language for. Basically, you are already giving yourself a, a learning journey map. And then all you need is either self-motivation to motivate yourself to keep going or somebody who can hold the space for you when you feel stuck. But the transformation here is that it's student-led. So you can basically learn the language on your own. If you want to make it faster, and maybe deeper, that's when you might want to consider having somebody, for example, a new language coach, if we talk about language learning, who can, who can help you with that from time to time. But in between, it's you are designing your own learning journey. So it's in your hands and you are in control. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be working on that. You and I have talked a little bit about motivation. I've actually heard educators tell me, actually, that sometimes kids either have motivation or they don't. So how can we develop self-motivation? Because there are a lot of theories out there and saying that motivation, learning, creativity, and curiosity all must be present in order for any individual to be motivated. So what are some of your thoughts on that? Where can we start? in terms of the self-motivation? It's a good question. You know, in my next 10 years, I do want to develop a program around self-motivation from A to Z that can be applied in schools, in companies. And what the input is, you know, they have a mix of motivated and, and half or not motivated individuals. And the output after finishing the program is people who know what motivates them and they can decide, they can motivate themselves that's in my uh, plan for the next 10 years. Answering your question, I think having a clear idea of who you want to be is very important. As I mentioned, this is at the core of it. You know, you have to know where you're going to get started. Visualization can help when you visualize it and you color that image more and more daily and activate that image for yourself. It definitely helps, and it can be one of those cornerstones, self-motivation. I would mention three more, because the image that came up for me, it was like a square for some reason, an evolving square. So the other would be uh, strengths, knowing your strengths, knowing what ha what's helping you to get there, and the exploring, discovering the strengths in yourself. The third one would be the beliefs especially the limiting beliefs, those kind of uh, things that you believe in or voices that you listen to that are not helping you. They're actually holding you back. So exploring them, naming them, creating an exhibition out of them so you have a clear understanding of what is stepping in your way, what is holding you back, what is limiting you. Fourth one is uh, consistency. So having it on a regular basis, having a revision of uh, your vision, refining it, coloring it, making it more vivid. Also, reminding yourself 
of the strengths and the values you have. Keep digging for more beliefs and uh, things that are holding you back. While you are going on this continuous journey, appreciating the journey itself is, is, is huge. Not looking for the destination because it's really about the journey. And it's really about enjoying the journey. Agreed. Enjoying the journey, enjoying the process. It is difficult at times or challenging, I should say, at times. It's not difficult. There's nothing difficult. I need to change my language. See, this is the interesting part because the language is one of those where we are having the cues. So if you're saying it is difficult, when it comes to the language that you pronounce, it has already been born in your thoughts and your thoughts already were born from the beliefs. So it's a tracking process. If you say it's too difficult for me, that's already a, a hardcore belief. So by the time it comes to the words, the actual words you are saying, already they, they have been born in your thoughts and in your beliefs. That's a, I agree with you, Beatrix. That's something I try to pay attention to because I don't underestimate the power of language. And so I try to be as careful as possible with the language I choose to describe myself as well as situations and other challenging, I should say, challenges that come my way. That's how I should say it. <laughs> so I want to go to this notion of challenges. How, you know, you obviously are a leader. We know that 2020 was very, very challenging for many of us. So how do you teach individuals or try to empower them, I should say? to lean into challenges? One of the great ways to do it is to have conversations and educate people. Educating them in a sense that I'm sharing my stories, I'm sharing my own challenges. And also when I listen to other people sharing their own challenges, I can learn a lot. So I believe that people can also learn from my stories. Definitely that's something that can help. If we have, and this is what I mean by meaningful conversations, and we have more meaningful conversations, we actually are creating space to learn from each other and to support each other, to encourage and inspire each other. It's a little bit hard to detect because it's, it's mutual. You are inspiring others and others inspire you. So you are both growing. One of the ways that I think started working is to have conversations where we appreciate the learning from each other. And that takes away the judgment part. It takes away the fear part that, oh, she's going to think I don't know. She's going to think that I, you know, or he's going to think or they are going to think. So we have all this perception of what others are thinking and feeling. And we don't really pay as much attention to what we ourselves are feeling and thinking. So a little bit of alignment and going with, into a conversation with curiosity and integrity that guarantees learning and joyful learning where you are learning from each other, but you also appreciate it. So there is no up and down that I know more, you know less. And this is where I see education, but also great organizational cultures uh, heading. If they can create this environment where learning is of value, where questioning is appreciated, where differences are celebrated, then they just move like, whoosh, like a rocket. <laughs> uh, 
um, if uh, they shy away from this for different reasons, it might be cultural, it might be something, you know, deep-rooted, then it's a slower progress for them. And it's not as visible. Thank you, Beatrix. So many good points there. I like what you said around people learning from your story, because this podcast specifically is about your story and your journey. And hopefully individuals can glean some things uh, from that. But it's really about creating a space for individuals and specifically women to tell their stories. So I appreciate what you're saying regarding (laughs) those things, the story, and then also creating the space. So creating the space for others to have really meaningful conversations with each other. Thank you. Well, Beatrix, I could talk to you forever. There's just so much I want to ask you around. Actually, there is one thing that I was talking to a friend today about. We were just talking about that notion of curiosity. And we're talking about how in our lives we could create these wow moments for ourselves. Because I think it's when you have these wow moments, or some people say aha moments, that's when you really become curious. That's going to be some of the things I'm going to work on myself. Yeah. And you know, as, they, as people say that in your life, you can look at everything as magic or you can look at nothing as magic. And if you look at everything that as magic, then it can definitely is very fertile grounds for curiosity. Indeed. Yes. Looking at everything. Actually, there's something by Maya Angelou, who's an American uh, poet, former American poet and author. And she had this quote where she said something like, there was like someone sitting, I saw the image. It was like someone sitting on a boat and they had like, a, not even a telescope, but they're, yeah, maybe it was a telescope and they're looking out in the front. It was something to the effect that I've never seen this day before. And the person is just going out in the boat. But I like that, you know, you're just open and remaining curious about the day. Like, I've never seen this day before. What does it have to offer me? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's going to be my motto for the year. So I want to ask one last question, uh, two last questions. So is there anything you would like to talk about that we didn't cover or one question that you would like to get asked more often? That's the first question. I don't know if there is anything we didn't talk about. Yeah, there might be one thing I would like to share that, and it is related to self-motivation. So I feel myself right now as on a mission to bring it in to schools, school systems, the self-motivation elements and how it can be sustainable and in the long run cost-effective as well because of the wide array of benefits it can bring to a living system like a school. But I do believe it is the same for organizations and other systems like families. I do feel myself a little bit on a mission of promoting this idea of self-leadership and self-motivation using all the tools and knowledge I have. And I'm happy to collaborate with anyone who wants to to promote this idea and to take it to a wider audience. Yes, so this is something I I wanted to um, share now that you asked. the other thing is, the question I would like to get asked more often is, what is your dream? I want more people to ask me, <laughs> what is your dream? What is your vision? Who do you want to be? And I want less people to ask me, how are you? 
less of you, uh, more of what has been a highlight for you. I agree with you. Yes. I am going to ask that question. What is your dream? What is your vision? My vision of making it happen, bringing this, this vision we talked about into life and witnessing it being born and growing up. <laughs> That's my vision. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. And then one last question. What is the impact you wish to have on women in the UAE and across the globe? I would like to see more women standing up for themselves And I would like more women to act out of bravery and courage and less women acting out of fear and say making decisions out of fear. So I want less of it and more of them being examples of bravery and courage and and leading. Even if leading means their own life, that's the most important that it now. And I do want to help and empower women to take this on to take control of their own lives. Specifically, UAE women, yes, there are a couple of great examples here that can see brave women, very educated, very open, very curious, and very humble, and showing an, an amazing example of how innovation and tradition can go hand in hand. That, that really, it still keeps amazing. Yes, I would like to see more of those women who dare to lead, who are ready to, not just ready, but they do take control over their own lives. And more of those women who can bring unconditional life into every moment of their lives. Beautiful. Thank you, Beatrix. I want to ask one last question. Where can people find you on social media? And where can we learn more about the service, the coaching services you offer? I just want to say that I do like calling myself a coach, but I also like people of thinking of me as somebody who is helping them to learn, to learn about themselves, you know, so where where they can find me. I think I'm super uh, fortunate and very blessed that, you know, if you Google my name, you will find all my details. I'm the number one in my own Google search. (laughs) I like that. Okay, so you heard it directly from Beatrix. Just Google her. Well, thank you, Beatrix. I want to say thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate our conversation. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on how we could lead ourselves on this journey of self-discovery, curiosity, and learning. So thank you, Beatrix, for taking the time. And looking forward to speaking with you. And also looking to hear more about race. So raising awareness of the value of coaching and education, we will definitely be looking out for and actually getting involved as well in supporting this very important initiative. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay, you're welcome. We'll be in touch soon, Beatrix. Wonderful evening. Okay, Doc. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. You like us so Music on this podcast is provided by Alexander Kirschdisch. The composition is titled Beautiful Spheres, which was released on April 3rd, 2019. Alexander Kirschdisch can be found on Facebook at Alexander Kirschdisch and on Instagram at Alexander Kirschdisch underscore official.